the free for all roundtable round two on round two we say good morning to music teacher michelle morrow also a finalist from the people's voice awards she was a good find deb hutton is here former advisor to two premiers bob richardson is senior counsel at national public relations good morning to y'all and you know what let's start with there's like four stories in the menu that all kind of dovetail together they're about people taking a stand about the conflict israel versus hamas and in particular this one is flying up a lot of people's nose because it's one thing to say that you're sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. It's another, as a student in Durham, to say that you love terror. I support Hamas. History is made that day. Very proud of my people. Very, very proud. Would love it if they would do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. No, they're not terrorists. I support every decision. And you know what? What they did was history. Very proud. History was made that day. Deb Hutton, like I said, it's one thing to support the Palestinian cause. It's quite another to say that you love terror. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be a Jewish student who has to sit beside this woman at Durham College. Yeah, this is disgusting. And it's why we need to continue to call people out for this. I hope there is some punishment uh, at her school as a student taken by the administration. The other one, you said there were a number of stories, John. The other one that really bothered me is uh, a sick kid's doctor who's a, a anesthesiologist. And I thought to myself, what if I'm taking my pick and age two-year-old into sick kids for surgery and I'm Jewish? How the heck would you feel if that doctor was the one putting your two-year-old under. Like, it, we just, we cannot call this out enough, in my view. Yeah, Michelle Morrow, what this doctor tweeted, or axed, or whatever they do these days, we consider Israel to be absolute evil. There is nothing worse than Israel. If Israel and the devil fight each other, we will stand with the devil. How about you just get back to anesthesiology? Yeah, it's really interesting in that case because I, I don't know what his tag is. So if his tag is identifying him as a doctor at Sick Kids, then there is huge problems there. Um, if there's not, then I can see uh, how they might take a stance that what they said was off the clock. It doesn't necessarily affect the way they work. But when you have such a strong stance, just like Deb, Deb said, it's really hard to separate the two. It's really hard to separate your personal from your professional. So I would be, I'm with Deb, I would be very nervous about that. And I realize it's a little bit rich for me to say this when we're on the radio giving our opinions, but perhaps we don't need to put our opinions onto every social platform about every little thing. Yeah, but we're also paid for our opinions. And uh, I, I kind of resented on October 7th, there was this uh, intense urging at everybody. Everybody must take a stand now. And I thought, eh, it's a couple of days that I don't need to take a stand. And we'll talk about this on Monday. Uh, Bob Richardson. Absolutely. And I feel like, oh, sorry, I just want no. to continue. I feel like people feel so they have to jump on and they have to get their opinion out there as opposed to like taking a second and looking at what's going on in the world and looking at how this might affect those around them. Bob Richardson, your thoughts? Yeah, I saw the comments from the airhead at Durham College. It was embarrassing. And uh, I hope Durham does something about that. Um, what we need is common sense. It needs to be exercised right now. If you hold a public role and a, and a doctor at Sick Kids uh, Hospital holds a public role, exercise judgment, exercise caution. Uh, we don't need to hear your opinion on every issue. I completely uh, agree with uh, the panelists on this one. Uh, and let's just lower the temperature on this issue.
Okay, leaves in Etobicoke. Up until quite recently, you would uh, rake your leaves into the uh, street and the city would come along and remove them. It was a service that had been introduced by the municipality of Etobicoke, but when it was incorporated into the new city of Toronto, a lot of these things were grandfathered in to make people less unhappy. Bob, I'll come to you first on this one. It's going to save us $2.3 million, but people in Etobicoke are quote-unquote furious about leave and uh, losing this leaf service okay i i i'm generally with the voters of etobicoke not on this one uh look it should have ended with amalgamation they got an extra 20 years out of this program uh it uh it was supposed to be uh programs were uh, supposed to be brought together reviewed it was supposed to save money that didn't happen programs like this uh, are quite frankly ridiculous. We have very low property taxes in uh, Toronto in comparison to to the rest of the region. Uh, the city needs money, and Mayor Chow, kind of like Nixon going to China, can cancel this. Whereas uh, sort of center center right mayors like John Tory would have been very reluctant to, to do so. So uh, get on with it, get it done. Deb Hutton, Stephen Holliday, the one of the city councillors for Etobicoke, is going to join us at 9.05, and he voted against withdrawing this service, and yet also happens to be the chief drum banger when it comes to saving money. Yeah, and, and I'm a big fan of Stevens because he and I line up quite uh, quite well on fiscal issues in government. However, I'm going to say two words for, and Bob's right, this is because of amalgamation, two words, cowardly politicians. This stuff should have been done when the when amalgamation happened. The, they should have harmonized everything across all of the old boroughs and city, and they didn't. They were cowardly at the time. And as Bob says, they got an extra, you know, 20-some years out of this. It's time to end it. We should have all the same rules across the city, period, full stop. And not a fan of Olivia Chow, but man, if she does some of this stuff, who knows? Okay. Uh, Michelle Morrow, the councillor will likely, I'm not a mind reader, but I think I've seen him in other venues observing that, well, how come people in the old city of Toronto get their sidewalks plowed? We don't even have sidewalks. Is that a good argument? In one way, I can see him making that argument, but the other side, plowing a, plowing a sidewalk is also a safety hazard. I don't think you getting your leaves vacuumed up is perhaps potentially a safety hazard. I agree. This should have been cut a long time ago. And also, I would hate to be on that street looking if it was really windy. Can you imagine all those leaves at the end and what if the vacuum truck is late? I can't imagine the mess that would have created. And it's your lawn. You bought a property with that much lawn. Take care of it. I bought a property with a sidewalk. I have to take care of it. Those that's just the way it goes. Okay. Um, property owners in areas that restrict short-term rentals, so we're talking Airbnb here and similar services. Um, one thing we have learned already that is going to be in the fiscal update tomorrow, and uh, Deb Hutton, I'll start with you on this one, is that they're going to rejig the rules so you can't discount expenses if you're renting your property out on short-term rentals. So effectively, if you're operating it like a business, you, you won't get those deductions. Is that cricket? I, I, listen, I don't know why the federal liberals hate entrepreneurs, but clearly <laughs> that's what they do. I, listen, I, I just think when we are in an affordability crisis, yes, we're in a housing crisis, but tinkering with something like this 
is not going to solve either of those problems and in fact may make it worse for some people who have saved their money, bought income properties, or circumstances have changed for them and they have decided to rent out with Airbnbs. Municipalities can have little bylaws related to noise and and all those things that, that come with being an Airbnb, but for the federal government to take away this particular tax uh, initiative or this tax opportunity is, is just ridiculous. Like, please understand we have bigger issues, Justin Trudeau and Christopher Freeland. Michelle Morrow, okay, so instead of running a quasi-hotel, they could rent it out full-time, and that would actually increase the housing supply. Agreed, but some people have these properties where maybe they live in it half the year, maybe they have family who comes and stays. Uh, I agree, if we're... this doesn't seem like the tact or the uh, what we want to take to convince people that they need to perhaps um, make their room for more housing. I'm losing my words here because I'm frustrated. Uh, I don't think it's going to deter anyone from you from selling using their house as an Airbnb because they'll probably you can still make more money even without the tax deduction. So it's not going to solve the income equal inequality. It's not going to solve the housing crisis. I just feel like it's going to make a lot more things go under the table. Okay, well, let's continue with housing and where people are choosing to live. I'll start with Bob Richardson on this. Uh, Gen Z or Gen Z, I always get scolded, but I prefer to say Gen Z, uh, is taking a big pass on living in Toronto. Apparently, they like more closely knit cities, and a lot of this is about economics. Bob Richardson, the younger generation seems to do things its own way, and that includes not seeing Toronto as a magnet. Well, good for them. Uh, Each generation has to make decisions. Look, this is uh, economic. Uh, You can replace the word uh, Toronto with London, San Francisco, New York, etc. And that's so this is a kind of a global phenomenon. And it's being driven by cost primarily. Where it's a real problem for the city of Toronto is long term. Uh, uh, losing a generation like that, you, you lose their energy, you, you lose the renewal, you, uh, you you miss the vibrancy that they bring, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That's a real problem for the city of Toronto, and uh, it's an interesting study by U of T. And I think uh, I think we should take a really really hard look at it. Yeah, Deb Hutton, it's not necessarily only Gen Z. Um, I've got in my immediate circle probably five or six families who have decamped from Toronto and now they say, look at how big my house is in Guelph. Yeah, it's all about priorities and what is most important to you. Uh, I find that the neighborhood I live in is actually a very tight-knit, small community. I don't leave my house and walk down Young Street without seeing someone I know. I know the names of, you know, our local um, uh, greengrocers. We we go there routinely. They will say things to me like, oh, hey, I got this in. So it really depends on, I think, where you live and what your priorities are. And when I was in my 20s and working crazy hours, I did not know my neighbors. I did not care to know my neighbors. I was at a very different place in my life than I am now. So I, I don't know if it's a whole generational thing. I, I think it starts with affordability and housing. But I do think as well, it really depends on what your priority is. Yeah, I mean, it's all about lifestyle and money. Michelle Morrow, I always reflect on the fact I could probably buy a horse farm in northern New York State, but I don't want to live in northern New York State. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I see those ads where it's like, you could own a castle for what it costs to live in Toronto. <laughs> and I do think about that for a second. But I think what I want to build on what Deb said is that you really do build up community where you feel where you feel you like where you want to. If you're living in Toronto and you're working so hard just to make ends meet, you're probably not going to have the chance to get to know your neighbors, to get to know just even the people who go to the coffee shop at the same time as you. So there may be a better sense of community when you are living outside the city and perhaps you have more um, downtime. You have the ability to stop and get a coffee on the way to work as opposed to being like, I have to get there because if I don't get there by this time, the subway is going to be full. So I don't know if it's necessarily a smackdown on Toronto, but the fact there's less community, I think it's just you have more time to invest when you're not as stressed about making ends meet. More than 1,500 Canadian writers are calling for charges to be dropped against people who disrupted the Giller Prize. Uh, Deb Hutton, I mean, obviously, writers are often on the front lines of freedom of speech, but it's also a bit twee, isn't it? So this is the Scotiabank sponsored Giller Prize. Yes. So these writers will say, I'll take your money, Scotiabank. Happy to get that little prize. Happy to get that grant. Happy to come to your gala. But we don't like you because you happen to have an investment in an Israeli military company. Like, give me a break. Don't be a hypocrite on this. Okay, Michelle Morrow, this has to be the first time we've ever talked about the Giller Prize on More in the Morning. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those prizes that I know about, but I, I probably couldn't tell you any of the winners off the top of my head. But I know I have seen the stickers of Giller Prize winner. Um, but I'm with Deb. If you are so against this, please return your prizes. Please take those stickers off your book. Please return the money. If you st make that strong of a statement, then follow up. And Bob Richardson, the disruption actually happened just as they were making the announcement of this year's winner. So they spoiled the evening for one novelist. Yeah, make it make it all three of us here. I couldn't agree more. Uh, uh, people love to take corporate money, but don't want to accept any responsibility and don't want to conduct themselves appropriately at an event like that. Buzz off. <laughs> Thank you all. And that's our time. On that note, Bob Richardson, Michelle Morrow, and Deb Hutton. Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.